You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So thanks so much again for tuning in today. On today's show, we are going to continue with the types of episodes that we've had over the past two, three episodes now, talking about different back-tested strategies that we've looked at through our new software that's launching on June 1st. So today we're actually going to look at how option strike prices impact call debit spreads. In particular, we're going to look at an Apple, AAPL is the ticker symbol, call debit spread backtest variation, two different tests we ran, and how the different strike prices that we selected ultimately led to dramatically different results for the backtest that we did in Apple. So let's get right into it and talk about the first test that we ran. So the first test that we ran in Apple, well, actually, let me just back up and say this. You know, I get a lot of people who all the time send me emails, and it's not every single day, but it's, I get a couple of these every single month, and it's like, Kirk, why don't I just, you know, buy a call debit spread in Apple and put all my money in there? And I say, well, I think it's too risky to put everything in one to security, but if you want to, you know, knock your, you know, knock yourself out, knock your socks off, right? And so the whole idea with doing this is to basically see like, okay, if you want to do this and if you want to use our back tester to test this, how can you do this effectively or how can you optimize the way that you're doing this? And so that's really the end result is we added the ability to back test call and put debit spreads, call and put calendars. Because if you do want to buy options, if you do really believe in a company and you want to be part of that, what is the best strategy that you should you know, deploy so that you ultimately are going to be successful doing that if you are going to be successful doing it, right? And and could that eventually, you know, potentially get you out of bad trades as well? So what we did here today is we back tested two different variations of a call debit spread in Apple. Call debit spread, for those of you who are new, is buying a call option and selling a call option at a higher strike. It's a defined risk spread. You have defined risk and defined profit. And it's all based on where you actually enter these trades, like what long strike delta you choose. Do you buy your first option in the money or is it out of the money or is it at the money? So that's what we wanted to look at. In the first setup, we did 30 days until expiration. We did a daily frequency. So we enter trades every single day, which means that we made lots and lots of trades in Apple. Again, just to really see how the impact of a lot of trades would uh, affect the performance of the security. And so we entered trades all the time. We had no IV rank as we've seen in a lot of these. We only did a 20% allocation of our portfolio. So small allocation because these are obviously debit spreads. So there's a lot of risk inherent in them that they may not work out. In the case of Apple, we know Apple has gone up over the past 10 years. So we know generally that this strategy would have worked, right? There's no uh, like funny business there. So we still want to make a small allocation just to make sure that in case Apple didn't go up during that time period that we you know, weren't going to blow up our portfolio. We took profits at 25%, which is what we typically suggest. No stop loss. And now the important thing here is we did the long strike delta on the first test at 0.4 as a 0.4 delta, which means for those of you who are having trouble converting delta to probability, if you look at deltas of different strike prices, Typically, a 0.5 delta is an at-the-money 
delta or an at the money strike price because it's a 50% chance of being at that level. So 50% chance typically is associated with an at the money strike, 50% chance of being higher or lower. The second that you start selling or buying your strategy with a delta that's lower than 0.5, you're now starting to buy options slightly out of the money. So in this case, we did a long strike delta of 0.4, which means that it wasn't totally, totally out of the money, but it wasn't at the money either. So if Apple was trading at, say, $100, just to keep the numbers round and simple, we wouldn't have bought the 100 strike call. We would have bought maybe the 105 strike call. So something just a little bit out of the money and give ourselves conceivably more room to run, more room to move. So when we did that, in this case, we did everything as a $5 wide spread. So whenever Apple had the opportunity to do a $5 wide spread, that's what we did. We had to pick some sort of spread width. That is something that you can test and tweak inside of the backtesting tool when it goes live on June 1st, is the ability to change this spread width. So we did one, two, three, five, 10, 15 spread widths in most cases. So you have the ability to you know, kind of play around with this and see if maybe a larger allocation with a smaller spread width is better or whatever the case is, you can backtest all of this with one simple click and, and tweak and change it as you, as you want. So here are the results. Again, Apple call debit spread, 30 days to expiration, $5 wide spread at the long strike of 40, which means that we're slightly out of the money. Over the whole period, it returned 107% with a 9% annual CAGR and a sharp ratio of 0.16%. So what we found, I mean, not percent, 0.16 sharp ratio. So what we found though is naturally we know the strategy is going to win. What we didn't see though is we didn't see a really, really high sharp ratio. So even though it had a really good return, when you look at the equity curve, it is literally all over the freaking place. I mean, it's like up and down. It looks like a heartbeat monitor. It's all over the place. It is not consistent in any stretch. And so what this tells me is that this strategy, although it won at the moment, could be a massive, massive loser in six months. It has no real risk-defined advantage or risk-adjusted advantage with the sharp ratio so low like that. So it did win, no doubt, because Apple went up, but it was all over the place. This is even more evident when you look at things like win rates and drawdowns. So over the entire period, the biggest drawdown that it had was 84%. Now, we dug in a little bit more here. The second biggest drawdown that it had was 82%. So if you think about it, on your way to making millions of dollars if you wanted to trade Apple long, you went through two plus 80% drawdowns in your account. Again, that's why the sharp ratio is so low because your drawdowns are just so large compared to the risk you're taking on. And so this, again, is, is not to say that it's you shouldn't do this or you couldn't if you want to. By all means, knock your socks off. But... Now having this information, you can be prepared to at least go through potentially a, an 84%, 82% drawdown. The drawdown days, the longest time that it took to recover the drawdown, if you recover that drawdown, was almost 1,200 days, right? So basically a couple years to recover the drawdown that you might have gone through at any given time, right? So I think it's important to kind of, again, look at these metrics because these metrics tell us a lot about you know, how this, you know, trade wins on average and, and how, uh, you know, profitable ultimately becomes. Again, it did win overall. It did have a, a nice compound growth rate, but tons and tons of volatility is kind of associated in this. So let's now take a look at the other strategy that we looked at. In this case, the other tweak that we made is we said, okay, instead of 
buying options just slightly out of the money for Apple? What if you bought options at the money? So what if your long strike was the 0.5 delta? Now, in this case, you paid a lot more money for these contracts. The original trade where you're buying options out of the money, you paid about $162 per spread. In this case, you paid about $212 per spread. So you paid definitely more money per spread, but really we want to know, did you get more out of it? Like, did you ultimately make more money by doing this? And the answer on the total return basis is yes, you did. You had a total return of 194% and an annual compound growth rate of 10.32%. The sharp ratio, however, was lower in this case because again, the portfolio went through a lot more volatility on the way to get there. And that means that your risk-adjusted measure of return was a little bit less. So you took on potentially more risk than you actually should have been compensated for. You or you were compensated kind of luckily for a lot of the risk you took on, whereas you really shouldn't have been in a long-term situation. Uh, what we did see in this case, though, is we did see the win rates obviously higher, 72% when you were taking money off the table early and when you were buying options at the money. And then compared to buying options out of the money and taking off the money earlier, taking profits earlier, you win one at 69%. So you still had a pretty high win rate, actually much higher than I would have expected for a strategy like this, mainly because you were taking profits early and the drawdowns went down as well. So when you were selling, when you're buying options at the money compared to buying options out of the money, your max drawdown at any given time was 79% versus 84%. Now look, I still don't think that anybody listening to this podcast can really truly go through a 79% drawdown and then continue trading that strategy. At that point, you would literally throw your hands up and be like, you know what, I'm done, this thing sucks, right? And let's be honest, that's how reality works. That's not how, you know, like this strategy, although it sounds really good on the outside, it's not really a true reflection of reality because how many people could really honestly go through a 79% drawdown, talk to your significant other and say, I lost 80% of our money and then keep going with that strategy? Yeah, 20, 30% drawdown, okay, you can do it. That's what we think, you know, is is a reasonable range, you know, to have a drawdown at some point. But an 80% drawdown and potentially 80% multiple times is just really, really hard to do. In this case, your drawdown days were about the same. So you went through the same drawdown at, you know, pretty much about the same times when about 1,200 drawdown days. So a pretty wide disparance uh, and, and variance here in kind of the drawdown or the same variance in disparance in the drawdown days was observed. So you had about the same time period. Again, we think, you know, like comparing these two strategies, you know, really kind of tells us a little bit about debit spreads. I think obviously you you pay for what you get with debit spreads, but they have a lot of volatility. I mean, a, a trade like this that's at the money is going to have really, really good times and really bad times. And like we talked about previously, when we talked about duration and position size in show number 92 and 93, it's really important that your sequence of returns is in order, right? That you don't have big drawdowns early in your cycles because those can really pigeonhole you into being, you know, very, very um, unprofitable, I guess is, is the right way to say it. When I look at these two charts, and I, I think the major takeaway from me is that although they were profitable, and of course they worked because Apple went higher, both of these strategies won really big, really early. I mean, you had massive gains in the equity curve early, early, early in the cycle. In one case, in 2009, for one strategy, you had a 353% increase 
in your portfolio in that one year. And then it was followed by multiple years of, you know, negative 28, negative 30, negative 47. So I think that these strategies actually were lucky in the sense that they won early and that saved them from actually being total disasters. When we go back and we backtest lots of call debit spreads against other things that had a really bad start to 2008, 2009, didn't really recover as well as Apple did, you see a lot of these strategies blow up the portfolio with 99, 100% losses in total return. So I think on the outside, it's an interesting discussion and talk that we should have about you know call debit spreads. I mean, look, if you're going to do them, maybe do them a little bit more in the money, a little bit at more at the money as opposed to out of the money and trying to stretch for gains. I think you pay for what you get here. You obviously have a little bit less drawdown. You have a little bit better win rates and ultimately maybe better profitability. But again, the question becomes, you know, how, you know, how realistic is this that we can maintain this over a long period? And and would we have an, a drawdown early in the cycle that basically cripples the portfolio? And in this case with Apple, we're lucky that those drawdowns happened very late in the cycle once the portfolio was, um, you know, kind of well established above the market. And that really, really helped out. So hopefully this has been an interesting little discussion. Again, I wanted to you know, start talking a little bit more about these option buying strategies because we're learning a ton through our backtesting. And obviously, we'll be publishing a ton of this stuff in our profit matrix report, which comes out in a few weeks as well. We've done lots and lots of testing on this. And there's definitely some some areas of, of improvement and optimization that you can make if you are going to execute an option buying strategy or an option buying strategy that ends up being a hedge, which is what we're going to really start focusing on with our hedges is making sure that they're a little bit more effective and a little bit more optimized than they typically might have been before in the past. So again, hopefully you guys enjoy these. As always, you guys can get additional resources and information for this particular backtest and all the information on it by going to optionalpha.com slash show94. Again, that's optionalpha.com slash show94. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. My name is Donna Barnhill, and I just started trading options on a virtual account with Options Express. Uh, Your website, Your webinar today was great. I loved it, and I love your site. I can't believe you're giving all this information away for free, and that just makes my day, and it makes me know you're a really good person. My biggest question right now is just what trading platform would you suggest? I'm working with Options Express right now. Thanks a lot. All right. Hey, Donna, thanks for the kind words on the webinar last week. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. For those of you who are new to Option Alpha, we do a free member onboarding webinar basically every two weeks. It's all live. It's not pre-recorded. where I just go over a lot of the main concepts of options trading and show you a bunch of different examples. It's really fun to do. We have a couple hundred people every single week. So if you want to join those, you can just head on over to optionalpha.com, sign up for a free membership, and uh, you'll get an email alert when those new webinars are coming out. So the question that you had, Donna, though, was what platform should you be using? And I'll say that this is a loaded question at the exact time that we're recording this in May, because right now we are still using the Thinkorswim platform. And we have been for a long time. I've said to many people, I probably believe, although they won't tell me for sure, that I was probably one of the first 50 or 100 customers that Thinkorswim ever had. I remember signing up when they had literally three web pages. I mean, it was like homepage, sign up, and then disclosures, right? now. That's what they had. 
And so I've been with them for a long time. I love the Thinkorswim platform. I think when people think that it's overpriced, you can negotiate their price lower. So we've done podcasts on that before. You can just search the podcast here on the website or on iTunes or wherever you're listening and look for commissions because we did a podcast on how to reduce your commissions. I think it's very easy to get their commissions down from what they publicly say and we're not affiliated with them in any way to uh, you know to influence that. It's just what ends up happening. People can get their commissions lower. Now, that being said, there's obviously a new platform rolling out called Tastyworks that a lot of people have been joining into. We do have an account with Tastyworks at this exact moment and probably for the next couple of months, foreseeable future. I do not have any cash or money at Tastyworks yet, so I haven't traded anything over. I ultimately think that it will be a better platform than Thinkorswim. It's obviously geared towards options trading. I have got a very good relationship with those guys and have talked to Christy Ross before uh, multiple times, who's the head honcho over there, if you will, and kind of runs that ship. And so we are affiliated with them. We are a partner with them. So anything that you do where you sign up through our uh, basically like referral or partnership link, we do obviously get a small commission on or small referral fee just for full disclosure. So if you wanted to learn more about Tastyworks, you can just go to optionalpha.com slash Tastyworks. Like I said, I'm not there yet. What I'm waiting for from them is just a little bit more improvement in some of the features that they have. I know it's ultimately going to come some of the back testing or not back testing stuff, some of the portfolio optimization and portfolio beta weighting stuff. They just haven't rolled out yet. That's a big thing for me. That's some, one of the best features of Thinkorswim. I know that some of the stuff they're working on. And again, like I said, it's just not ready yet. And until it is, I'm not going to be moving over there, but they do have really cheap commissions. It's a dollar per contract with no closing cost. Uh, so again, very, very effective for a lot of people. And I know that they are working on rolling out multiple different international countries basically over the next couple of months. So you can always check out their webpage or head on over to optionalpha.com slash tastyworks to get more information. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so today we're going to talk about a new trade that we are making in our good old friend SMH. Now, SMH is kind of a brat, let's be honest. This stock last month when we were heading into May expiration moved against us. We ended up closing out one of the iron butterflies that we had last month for a loss. And lo and behold, literally the next day after we closed out that position, two days before expiration, the stock had a massive movement lower. Could have been a full profit, but it is what it is. It's just how, I guess, the markets work and how luck works. And sometimes you just don't quite catch that that move. So we are going to get back into SMH. SMH has pretty decent implied volatility right now. It's at the 37th rank. So it's not insanely high, but it's not insanely low either. And I still truly believe that this stock is going to start moving more sideways. It's been a very resilient security. That's an ETF, not stock, just to clarify. I think it's been really resilient, but I think that it's had a huge move. And I think people are going to start taking money off the table, especially uh, when they look to kind of like bank some profits here mid-year. So I think for SMH, it'll start moving sideways. We're going to start trading the iron butterfly here. We're going to sell the at-the-money strikes to set up this iron butterfly. That's the 83 calls and the 83 puts. And then we're going to do some wide wings, about $5 out on either end, and buy those wide wings. Overall, we've taken in a credit of about 267 So we're still giving the security about you know $6 to move on either end, 
uh, still pretty big range for this thing, given that it's an $83 stock. It doesn't move that that often and move that much. It just kind of slowly grinds in one direction or another. So I think it ultimately work out. We're doing this trade for about 29 days until expiration. So still trying to lean towards that 30, 40 day time period as much as possible for this trade. And ultimately, we should be looking at a plus 60% probability of success on this trade if it works out pretty well. So we'll continue to monitor this, but that's the new trade that we are entering today is in SMH for June. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. And as always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show. 94. Again, that's just the number 94, optionalpha.com slash show 94. And just as a heads up, in the next couple days on June 1st, we're going to be releasing our 95th podcast episode talking all about our new options backtesting software and trade optimization software. So I can't wait. Please be on the lookout for that show when it comes out. And until next time, happy trading.